0: Hello and welcome to Link, the industry's link to learn, innovate, news, knowledge, and global supply chain intelligence, hosted by Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. This new and improved podcast channel will cover everything from transportation and warehousing trends and technologies to food safety and sustainability impacting today's supply chains. Hello and welcome to Link Live. Editor-in-Chief of Food Logistics and Supply and Demand Chain Executive. And we'll go around the table with your, the editorial team.
1: Hi, I'm Brielle Jacob. I'm Associate Editor. And I am McKenna Morales, and I am the Web Editor. And we have a special guest today.
0: We are here with Laura Please, Dad. Laura, welcome.
2: Thank you very much, glad to be here today.
0: Yes, Laura is the Senior Marketing of Communications from Unisys and today we are talking about airline freight in the supply chain industry which is um a topic (laughs) sorry the dogs we have three special guests today (laughs) we've all (laughs) kinds of guests happening (laughs) live that's what happens (laughs) um but air cargo is just one of those parts of the transportation mode that deal with cold chain and, and food and pharmaceuticals that we don't really talk as much about as we should Um, So that's why we brought Laura on as a guest. Um, Just a couple of housekeeping items before we dig in. Supply Chain Network Summit um, is next Tuesday. So make sure you go to our websites, foodlogistics.com and stcexec.com to register because all four sessions, get or one registration is for all four sessions. And it's a really hot topic with tons of great speakers. So I'm very excited about it. Uh, Make sure while you're on our websites to check out link Um, our podcast page, we have our link educate, which is on supply and chain executive every Thursday, our professional development series. And I think that's it. I think we're ready to rock and roll. So Laura, welcome. Thank you. So let's get started. So the commercial airline industry took a hit, obviously, as a result of the COVID. Um, But cargo and cargo freight, continued moving product, as we all have noticed, you know, people still need to eat and people still need their medicine. So how is this possible? How is that 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 part of the function has been able to cooperate even though commercial airlines have kind of shut down?
2: Well, it, obviously there's been some changes, but by the nature of the business, um, freight transportation is, were you okay?
0: Sorry,
3: I hear it.
2: Okay. Welcome to, welcome to
0: live. All right.
2: Um, <laughs> You know, the transportation of freight um, does not require social distancing. A package is a package is a package. It doesn't matter, you know, which package it's next to. So from that perspective, you know, it's relatively simple. The complex part, of course, is that there are people involved and that they are responsible for handling those packages. Now, from a booking or a reservation perspective, just like you would do if you're making an airline reservation, you may go online to do that. have options Uh, the company I work for Unisys has a cargo portal system that they can do that or uh, freight forwarders or manufacturers can send messages into the airlines so that doesn't require any sort of physical contact Uh, once the freight arrives at the warehouse again warehouses are huge so social distancing is fairly simple Um, they typically have uh, truck dock doors open on one side of the warehouse they have large um, doors open on the airport side. So you've also got a lot of airflow going on. So from, again, social distancing is quite simple from that perspective. It is also with that airflow. When people are preparing packages to go on the airplane, they'll typically be on a pallet or in a container. So have you ever sat at the airport and watched these kind of strange looking aluminum um, containers that or they're loading onto the aircraft? That's used for bags, it's also used for freight. Mm -hmm. Um, So you can have one or two individuals, you know, who are responsible for each container. So again, from a social distancing perspective, the transport is, is not the weak link. It's at the manufacturer, it's at the greenhouse, it's at the warehouse, that's preparing it.
3: Yeah, I actually have a friend who works for a major shipping company and he works at the airport loading the cargo airplanes. And he and I kept asking him like, what do you, is, it, is your life different? He's like, it's really no different because we're not really around anyone anyway. So.
2: And the loading is all done outdoors again, where there's less risk. Mm-hmm. Or as we know, as of the moment, there's less yeah. risk. So,
3: when it, when it comes to temperature controlled items and food, how is this able to um, happen in an, in an air cargo?
2: And that is, there's a wide range, actually, of products and their needs. So if you're thinking of food, there's a lot difference from canned goods in comparison to fresh lettuce, in comparison to frozen vegetables. So the canned goods obviously don't require a lot of special handling, at least when it comes to temperature restrictions but um, bottled goods may. um, They may not want to be exposed to extreme heat or left out in the sunlight. For things like lettuce or things like frozen vegetables, the uh, warehouses themselves, most of them have a refrigerated unit or Mm -hmm. a freezer unit. So if you think again, you're taking a flight from Dallas to Minneapolis to Seattle While you're in Minneapolis, you might have a three-hour layover. So we go get a drink, we have some lunch. The lettuce and the frozen vegetables may go into a cooler for that period of time, or they may go into a freezer. Additionally, uh, those types of goods are either packed in dry ice, which we're all familiar with. Uh, So they're in specialized, they can be a styrofoam container or some other Uh, container even a cardboard box that vents so that dry ice um, as it essentially melts um, can give off the vapor and that has some place to go otherwise they may be packed just in what we call wet ice in the industry and that's what you put in your iced tea or your gin and tonic Um, so those types of goods can be can be packaged that way as well
3: so with the um the you said the refrigerated units do they just like similar to in logistics and the truck do they just like move on to into the cargo area that's it you can just transfer them
2: um think of it as a giant walk-in cooler at a restaurant right. or a giant hmm. walk-in freezer so it's a set part it's not moving within the warehouse okay they'll actually move the goods into that room as it may be uh, rather than uh, move the unit to the goods
3: Okay. You know, and,
2: some organizations, um, I had an opportunity to work um, with a ground handler in Singapore several years ago, and they have a giant facility, which they call Coolport, that handles, it was designed for pharmaceuticals, but it also handles a lot of fresh fruits and vegetables coming out of Singapore. And, and it really mean, it's a giant warehouse. Mm-hmm.
1: That's so interesting because I think the most Wisconsin thing about me is that I used to work at a cheese store, which was like a big tourist trap. to mm-hmm. I came to Milwaukee, but... Cheese? Milwaukee? Who <laughs> would have thought? I know. We sold a beer, but that was across the street. But <laughs> um, people always wanted to take the cheese back home with them, but I was a very good tour guide and a very good salesperson. And I would always told them to just put it into their check luggage because the airplane is so cold. It practically stays refrigerated that way. So it's interesting to hear that they actually, that there's better ways of packing.
2: Well, all of these, and again, when we're talking about different foods and especially about pharmaceuticals, um, have to stay within a specific temperature range. And there's three or four different types of ranges um, that are allowed. And, you know, if so, they have to have more control. You're right, the temperature inside the belly of an aircraft, especially on a long flight, um, gets very, very cold. Have you ever taken your clothes out of your luggage right after you've landed? And they're cold, you know, they're very cold. But some goods can't handle that much cold. Mm -hmm. And some require a, a lower temperature for that. So, you know, There are these specialized containers that do focus on maintaining that temperature limit. For pharmaceuticals, they'll even have uh, tracking devices for the temperatures so that they can see along the route that they haven't exceeded or either the high or the low um, Mm -hmm. temperature requirements. And for a lot of pharmaceuticals, um, if they are outside of that temperature range, especially for an extended period of uh, time, they're no longer usable, they have to be tossed. What
1: happens if if the temperature requirement fails during the flight, who gets notified? Is it like, does the air carrier get notified of that or is it the suppliers?
2: That's a great question. And really everybody along um, the supply chain needs to know about it, especially with pharmaceuticals. Um, Some of the pharmaceutical shippers, for example, have on their devices that they have in their packages, they'll get a, a, a message or a warning that it's been outside of that. Um, when the goods are in the hands of an air carrier or their ground handler, especially if they're in um, a containerized unit, some of these come in a large, just like they put the bags in, that have the temperature on the outside, they show how much dry ice is in them, Um, So it would be the airline's responsibility during those layovers, is there enough dry ice for the next flight, but if if it's outside of that temperature range, you know, they need to notify the shipper and the shipper may have to go so far, for example, in the United States to let the FDA know because these pharma shipments are very heavily regulated and so if there has been a breach, that automatically needs to, you know, go through the supply chain to determine what, what has to happen with these particular goods.
3: And I'm curious, what about livestock? Because I never thought about that. And then my friend mentioned that, yeah, he deals with livestock sometimes. How in the world can that work? See, these are
0: things I never would have thought of. This is so fascinating to me.
2: It's, yeah. uh, uh a long time ago, um, I worked for Northwest Airlines, and we, which is unfortunately no longer um, right. its own company, but it is part of a, a great company, Delta Airlines now. And we moved livestock and that might be horses, um, that might be pigs, it might be cattle. And typically those are only moved on an all cargo aircraft. So, you know, if you're flying on vacation to Honolulu, there's probably not a load of pigs below you in the belly. (laughs) Uh, So they are on all freighter aircrafts and they have very specialized pens, very specialized. You might think of them as uh, as a kennel, but anytime you have a container that's on the aircraft itself, it is actually part of the airplane. So again, in the United States, the FAA regulates those containers and they have to um, fit in with uh, devices that hold them onto the aircraft. And these are all considered part of the airplane. So this isn't something that the airline, you know, goes to Walmart or Costco, you know, and picks up. You know, these are are very specialized devices. And then, you know, as you can imagine, after the flight, there's quite a bit of cleaning and fumigation that has to go on with the airplane because you certainly wouldn't want to fly pigs from Seattle to Narita and then put fish or fresh fruit on that same plane without yeah. significant uh, cleaning in between. So there's a lot lot into it, a lot of um, lots involved. It's not just load them on, load them off like you would see loading cattle onto a truck that goes you know across the road.
0: Is that more common domestically or is it more common when they're moving product, you know, or livestock or whatever the case is overseas and back?
2: Um, from my understanding, and I'm not a you know an expert in how the, the livestock um, industry is, but I grew up in Minnesota and we yeah. have a lot of farms and, you know, we have um, places within a reasonable distance where those animals are processed. So most of those can be moved over, um, over the road. Uh, some of the shipments that go overseas, um, you know, um, horse meat is a, is a big um, product in some areas. Mm-hmm. And so horses are, are shipped overseas uh, for horse meat. Um, same thing with, with pork. Um, I haven't seen or I'm not as familiar with a lot of beef shipments um, where the livestock itself is shipped, but yeah, it certainly does happen you know, same thing for zoo animals, just on a smaller scale. You're usually moving one, you know, one zebra as opposed to, you know, 500 pigs.
1: Right. I have two things. One, a few months ago, American Airlines shipped, like, six bears Mm -hmm. to a sanctuary, and the pictures were so cute (laughs) to see the bears on a plane, but then the comment actually goes to, relates to my question. So, Prior to the pandemic, we heard there was an increase in overseas orders of meat and produce, particularly going to China. How how else is that handled in the air cargo space?
2: So, anytime that there is uh, an increase in capacity, so that could you know be for any event. Um, it could be for a natural disaster, for example, um, or something like COVID. Um, the capacity of an aircraft is, if you think there's two different types of aircraft. So if we go back to thinking of a passenger aircraft, so you and I and our friends and family are flying typically on the main, on the main level. And then below where our baggage goes is also where the cargo can go. So with COVID, of course, there's fewer people on the airplane. So there's more capacity for cargo. So fewer people does um, result in greater capacity on the airplane. Capacity has decreased through COVID because the airlines aren't operating as many planes. You know, they have reduced in some cases by 50% of the planes in the air. So that reduces capacity. Uh, for an all cargo um, carrier, and some, air, some passenger airlines also run freighters, but for an air cargo carrier, think of UPS, uh, think of DHL. Those are probably two that you're you're more familiar mm-hmm. with. But those are tend to be small packages. But there's are other freighter companies that ship large, large shipments on large, large aircraft. So they're going to let's say there is a higher demand in in China. Uh, they're going to try to reroute some of their planes, or they're going to operate some of their larger planes into those areas. Uh, now you can't just choose to fly to a location. So if I didn't have the rights to fly to China, I'd have to apply for those rights. But you can always change your aircraft type or you can possibly change your routes. And uh, companies like mine at Unisys, our system also will measure that capacity and and allow the uh, viewability and the availability of those capacity changes. So people who are wanting to book that space know that the additional space is there but yeah it's very fluid it's not um we're very able to react the airline industry is very able to react to those changes if you think of 9-11 um, mm-hmm. and how different the airline industry changed yes. almost overnight yeah. and you know the requirements for us to get out on plane changed the requirements for cargo changed um at you know at prior to that cargo really wasn't screened before it was put on an airplane and now it goes through a very rigorous screening um, before it goes on to the airplane Mm -hmm. and that happened in a period of less than a year for certain and really within three to six months a lot of those significant changes were implemented so that we can do the same kind of things when we have something like COVID or if we have you know Another big change in our global environment that the airline is pretty good at reacting to that.
0: It's so fascinating. Wait till I tell my kids that we may have traveled with the animals underneath us. Oh, like I'm they sure would have been like,
2: what? <laughs> um, definitely with pets. I mean, if you've flown, you know, often enough, there's definitely been pets in in the hold. We went to last October.
0: We went to Disney, and there was. Um, a small, small dog that was on somebody's lap on our plane. It was all my kids could talk about. I was like, yes, we see it. It's not interested in us. (laughs) Just let it be. (laughs) One time I sat on the bus next to a dog and it was the best
3: day of my life.
0: I know we're we're big animal people. So anytime there's like a dog or, you know, a
3: zoo animal or something, it's like, that's awesome. As soon as you mentioned the bear's on a plane, I looked it up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That would have been like a great day for me. (laughs) Yeah, it was. They were brown bears, so I think they're pretty vicious. But the pictures were super cute. <laughs> looking out the window. Oh my <laughs> god, I love it. Like, kind of. Do you? Did you have a question? You looked like you had a question, or maybe not. I did. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know if you can actually answer it, but last year when all the terrorists were going down and China placed, they were just doing the tit for tat terrorists between the U.S. and China, and a big thing, they put a lot of tariffs on pork. So China stopped, they stopped ordering pork from the United States. Was, did that, and I know that really hit farmers hard here in the Midwest,
2: but did air freight have a problem with that either? You know, I don't know any specifics on that, um, but Pork products are, you know, anything that that's peri- that type of perishableness is not likely to go by um, maritime or by by ship. Mm-hmm. So I would have to assume that um, air freight shipments of pork products, you know, were decreased at that time. I just don't have any any facts to back that.
1: Oh no worries. <laughs> yeah. it's a very so- question. <laughs>
0: So let's talk the future, you know, we're all in different parts of the country at this point in time, Um, and different parts of the country are experiencing pandemic differently. They're currently in it, or they're recovering from it, Mm -hmm. they're open, they're not open. So, you know, that being said, you know, how do you see kind of air cargo, you know, especially dealing with overseas, especially as now maybe a second round of coronavirus maybe kind of enveloping the United States, how do you see the future of of air cargo with all of this going on with food and pharma?
2: Well, you know, I think the first thing we have to understand is that um, transportation, airline transportation, whether it's for people or or cargo, is highly regulated. So, you know, one of the first regulators are the countries, you know, so um, if the United States has a regulation or a requirement on how packages are handled, you know, whether that's everyone who handles a package has to be masked and gloved um, or it has to sit somewhere for 24 hours before, you know, it it can be loaded on an aircraft. Whatever those requirements may be, um, anything coming into the United States would have to meet those requirements. Just like if the Dutch government or the British government had a specific uh, regulation, anything flying from the U.S. to there would have to to meet those, those requirements. And additionally, the airlines can themselves impose stricter regulations than the governments do. So whereas, uh, think of it as your city may not require you to wear a mask, but if you go into Walmart, they may require you to wear a mask. So the airlines themselves can impose those stricter uh, regulations. And I think that you will continue to see Um, some of that occur again because of the the nature of the cargo business there isn't as much necessity uh, for that where you may see some um, changes again with the pharmaceuticals because we're certainly looking at post during wherever you are in COVID you know the need for hopefully it's some sometime soon vaccines or Uh, therapeutics, and those will require transportation um, because they're not made in every location. Mm -hmm. And a a big part of that, you know, as I mentioned, is is the uh, temperature requirements, but even outside of that, um, the ability to really track and trace and know where those goods are um, on any given transport. So let's say they're coming from uh, London into the United States. We really need to know where they are in that journey. So, the ability to uh, follow that on a, uh, with a lot of detail is important. And again, companies like mine, Unisys, are working to really uh, improve that visibility so that everyone, you know, anyone in that transport uh, or supply chain has that information.
0: It's just fascinating stuff. So, uh, I've just learned so much. It's just, you just I don't know. think about it as much. You know, we, we focus so much on, you know how product moves on the ground and you don't think that, you know, up in the air this, this stuff is moving product too. And that's just fascinating. Well,
2: I've been in the industry for over 33 years. Part of it with an airline, part of it with a regulator and now with a, an IT uh, provider. And, but I've never left the industry. Yeah, it, you know, because it is fascinating and it is changing all the time. So it's not stagnant. You always have the opportunity to learn and solve puzzles and apply new, new ideas.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I appreciate you taking the time to be a part yeah. of our conversation today and educating us and our viewers a little bit more. So Laura Quistad from Unices, thank you. Yeah, I'm um, always happy to be back. And it was a pleasure being with all of you today. Yes, absolutely. Well, uh, we'll definitely have you back because air cargo isn't going to go away. We know that. So um, speaking of the future of coronavirus, make sure you uh, go online and register for our SCN summit next Tuesday, which is covering navigating business amid a, uh, amid a pandemic. We will be talking about sustainability and why it matters in a pandemic. We'll be talking about U.S.-Mexico trade relations. We're talking about how to protect your company from economic volatility and more. So please go to foodlogistics.com and stcexec.com and make sure you register. And I always forget other things. So I'm just going to (laughs) let Riel and McKenna chime in on on things that they like to add. Don't forget to subscribe to our link
3: podcast on Apple and Google podcast apps, which we release every Tuesday. And now we have our link educate on every Thursday.
1: All right. Uh, Follow us on all of our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and now we're utilizing YouTube. So that's five, 10 things that you can go and follow us on.
0: Yay.
1: Yay, very excited. And oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. (laughs) Then you go. The SCCE Green Award is open and accepting nominations, and so is the FL100 Award. You can find all that information on our websites. And speaking of awards, we just closed nominations of our
0: new Women in Supply Chain Award and we had over 200 entries. That for a new award, that is just fantastic. So I appreciate everybody's involvement in that. So keep an eye out for our September issue. That's our 20 year anniversary issue as well. So very, very excited. Laura, thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thank you ladies as well for your input and um, hope to see you again sometime soon.